Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. Divorce and family law related proceedings can be highly emotive, complex and very difficult for all involved. Where there are assets including pensions to consider, this makes it all the more complicated and legal advice is essential. I'm Deborah Britstone of 3D Solicitors, and with me to discuss this today is Katie McCann, a partner and head of family law at Knight Solicitors. Katie qualified as a solicitor in 2005 before transferring to the bar in 2009 and has worked in Manchester since 2013. Interestingly, when Katie was at school, she went through a phase of wanting to be a police officer and did a long stint of work experience with the youth liaison and burglary squad in Merseyside Police. Katie, I understand that you decided life behind the desk might be better for you, hence why you ended up practising law. Totally. Um, I I decided that um, life on the front line probably wasn't going to be the best for me. And and that literally fed into my decision to go and study law at university. Fantastic. Okay, so as we know, unfortunately, in police forces, with the increased levels of stress and difficult antisocial hours, Problems in personal relationships and divorce can be a hazard, especially in these very difficult times that we're currently in. How can a police officer start to make progress on the divorce whilst we're still coming slowly out of lockdown and the courts are struggling under the pressure? Since lockdown started to happen, the legal profession has had to has had to drastically change I would say and very quickly after we went into lockdown all lawyers certainly all lawyers that I know of and work with started to work remotely and we are all now offering um, consultations with our clients via zoom still we can do it on the telephone we can more or less do everything that we were doing in the office but we can do it remotely so in terms of accessing a lawyer right now it's actually no more difficult than it would be if things were completely normal and in fact in some ways it's easier because you don't need to travel into an office and we can do things by zoom so that's the first thing Other things that we are recommending to clients at the moment, and certainly that we were recommending to clients during the first part of lockdown, was that go ahead, start gathering all of your information. So information about accounts that you might have, investments that you may have, any sorts of assets that you've got, insurance policies, endowment policies, et cetera, et cetera. Go ahead and gather all of that information together. We can then very quickly start to talk about strategy, start to talk about what the shape of your financial divorce settlement may look like. So officers can be very, very proactive right now before they even see a lawyer and start getting all of that information together. What we've been doing to progress things 
at the moment is we've been asking people if they want to go off to, to mediation. We do that anyway in the normal course of proceedings, but at the moment it's working particularly well. And we work with a few local mediators who are fantastic at dealing with things remotely and via Zoom. And quite a few cases that I have had have settled by using that particular method. So we're helping people to access that. We're also having what are called roundtables meetings via Zoom. And that effectively is where you appear with your lawyer and your spouse appears with the lawyer. And we talk about all of the information that we've got and we try and negotiate a settlement. And the great thing about the remote technology that we've got at the moment is that we don't all have to appear on the screen at the same time. We can have side rooms where if you don't want to see your respective spouse, you can sit in that side room and your lawyer can just visit that virtually and the lawyers can just speak to each other remotely. It is working fantastically well, and it's something that I think we will bring forward and use as kind of an everyday practice in trying to settle matrimonial finances because it's that effective. People that are already in court proceedings at the moment, well, were in court proceedings as we went into lockdown, found that the court system more or less started to grind to a little bit of a halt because it's quite old-fashioned for want of a better description mm -hmm. and it has struggled getting itself set up with um, remote digital technology to deal with hearings um, so what we've done is we've tried to be very proactive about it as have lots of other lawyers and people that have been already expecting to have what's called a dispute resolution hearing at court, we've been saying, right, let's adjourn that hearing and let's do our own dispute resolution hearing remotely, select a judge that we want, and there is a cost involved in doing that, but we can then effectively take it out of the court process and we can do it all digitally and remotely and try to get the case resolved that way with the input of an adjudicator that both the parties have chosen and put into place to deal with that for them. Again, really, really effective. And it's meant that we haven't had to get clogged up in the court system necessarily. We will go to court as a last resort at the moment if we have to but the process is incredibly slow it's taking a lot of time it's very clunky which is why we are looking at all of these different new modern alternatives to push things forward for people so is there anything an officer could do to help themselves right now in terms of the divorce process absolutely yes so there has been, and this was launched just before lockdown, actually, there's a brand new online divorce portal that um, individuals can access themselves without using a lawyer 
and it's designed for people doing it for themselves as well. Um, so you don't need to have any legal knowledge to do it. And it walks you through the process of issuing your divorce petition and taking you right the way through to decree absolute. It doesn't obviously deal with the financial aspects of things. That's where you do need a lawyer to get involved most of the time to help you. Um, but officers, if they want to take control, take charge and make progress right now, they can get online and they can they can use that online portal. So whilst we're on that topic, I'll probably just talk very, very briefly about the divorce process and how, how that works. Okay, thank you. So there's only one ground for divorce in this country, and that is the irretrievable breakdown of the marriage. And you then have to support that with one of five facts. So that's either the adultery of the other party, the unreasonable behaviour, the desertion, which is hardly ever used in this jurisdiction. If the parties have been separated for two years and they both consent to that proceeding, or if the parties have been separated for five years. So those are the five supporting grounds. There's been lots and lots of talk about no-fault divorce, and that is going to happen at some stage hopefully once we you know we've got through all of the the coronavirus disruption that we have had um everybody's minds will refocus on that from a a governmental point of view but at the moment it still isn't there as an option for us to use so you do have to use one of those five grounds that we've got so the process effectively is issuing your petition and if you went onto the online portal, you would be walked through that and you would choose one of those five grounds. You have to produce your marriage certificate or a certified copy of it. At the moment, some people have been having some difficulties with the registry in getting copies. So that could be a stumbling block at the moment. But if you've got your marriage, your actual marriage certificate, then you wouldn't um, have to encounter those difficulties. You issue your petition then that way it's then served on the other spouse they then have to complete what's called an acknowledgement of service and there's a big long list of questions in there that they need to answer once you have been notified that that's been dealt with and is back with the court you then can make your application for your decree nisi which is the halfway point in the divorce once that decree nisi gets pronounced at the court, six weeks and a day later, you can apply for your decree absolute. And that effectively is the divorce procedure. And this online portal walks you through it as a non-lawyer and it helps you save quite a bit of costs. It's a separate process to dealing with um, the financial aspect of things. That's where you do need ordinarily because of you know police pension issues etc you do need a professional involved to help you at that stage but the actual divorce process which is just the logistics of getting it going officers can deal with that themselves through this portal and we're more than happy to help people with that but it is something now that more and more people are taking up because it's a simple alternative so one of the main concerns which you just alluded to there was that an officer 
is concerned about their pension and, and what, that, what might happen to that on divorce. So what are the options? So it all depends on what scheme the officer is on. So as we all know, there's the three schemes. There's the 1987 and 2006 schemes, which are more like final salary schemes. And then there's the 2015 scheme, which is related to career earnings. Police pensions are complex. And if officers don't go to lawyers that have experience in dealing with them, they can often get misleading advice. So it's something that officers need to be alive to. And how we treat them is dependent on on a number of factors like the length of the marriage, the ages of the party, the value of the pension, the length of service and the value of the other assets in the marriage if we're looking at, at offsetting. So the first thing that an officer should do, and actually if anybody's thinking about divorce right now, this would be one of the first inquiries that you should make, is to go off and get your cash equivalent transfer value and you can get that from the pension administrator. It can take sometimes quite a while for that information to be produced so the earlier you make that inquiry, you make that request, the quicker things things can progress. So the options for how to deal with a police pension on divorce are quite varied. So the first one, and probably the most popular one, is that we can do a pension sharing order. And the way I look at these, it's like having a guillotine come down in your pension pot and it splits it into percentages that you agree are fair and reasonable. And it means then that your spouse leaves with their own police pension. You can then carry on contributing into your portion of that pot, which has been separated out, and that will remain untouched thereafter. That's the more more popular way to deal with a police pension. And a lot of the time we enlist um, a pension actuary who's used to dealing with and police pensions to work out the most equitable division because sometimes it's not just the police pension that we're looking at the spouse may have a number of different pension schemes themselves um, which also have to come into the pot and be taken into consideration when we're looking at how we divide a pension up So that's the first option. The second option is deferring a pension share to some point in the future. So this one's quite popular if you've already retired and your pension is already in payment. So you can effectively, as an officer, carry on taking the full amount from your pension until the defined point in the future where you say that your spouse then is eligible to receive their pension share. And what you do in the interim is you agree how much maintenance you would pay to your spouse during that particular period of time. The next option is pension offsetting. And this one's probably the second most popular way of dealing with with a police pension. And this is where the claim against the police pension is offset against what other capital assets we've got in the marriage. 
So, for example, it might be that if the police pension is particularly valuable and we don't want that to be touched in any way, um, that we look at what equity we've got in the house. And it might be that you would need to sacrifice the lion's share of that equity or maybe even all of it if that meant that we could preserve the pension in its entirety. It depends on the individual officer, how they view their pension, how valuable they feel it is to them and their future. And it's very much, offsetting is very much like looking at jigsaw puzzle pieces and how does every piece of this matrimonial pot fit together and what can I offset against what in the pot to make it as fair as possible. And a lot of the time, if we can't offset in a reasonable manner that leaves everybody with enough capital to move forward, we'd look at pension sharing if we can't do the, the offsetting aspect of things. But as I said, it's dependent upon the officer's own personal preference, what's fair in the circumstances and what they can agree with, with their spouse. We can look at a deferred lump sum. So a deferred lump sum is where you agree to pay a proportion of your lump sum when you receive it to buy off that portion of the pension claim. That then keeps the pension income intact moving forward. So again, we need to look at was that fair in the circumstances? Would that work for that particular officer and the way the rest of the assets are stacked up in the marriage? And then the last option is what's called a pension attachment order. And this is where a spouse effectively is paid out of the pension some money every month. It's very rare that you would do these types of orders these days. They're not on vogue at all. And if the spouse went off and remarried, my understanding is that they would lose the benefits under a pension attachment order. So they're very unpopular, as it were. And that's why I've mentioned I've mentioned them last. And it's not something that I particularly recommend as a way of dealing with with your police pension. Okay, so there's been lots of uh, news coverage early on about arrangements for children and the impact of the pandemic on those. What's your view on the current situation? and What could an officer do if they're having problems with seeing their children right now? So as we went into lockdown, I personally and a lot of my colleagues in, in the profession were dealing with disputes about children because it was the most immediate and emotive issue because lots of, of people were preventing that contact from happening because they felt that it was in breach perhaps of the lockdown rules and that it would be putting their, their children and them at risk. So fairly early on in the lockdown process, we got some guidance from the president of the family division because he was very conscious about hundreds and hundreds of disputes that were arising in relation to this. And his guidance in a nutshell basically was that if there was a child arrangement order in place, ordinarily there would be no bar to a child going between two houses during the lockdown period that wouldn't be breaking the lockdown rules 
So if parents had an order from the court already, unless there was a really good reason not to adhere to that, then those orders should be honoured effectively. The parties between themselves could agree something, could agree something different. And I know certainly from um, the, the police perspective and anybody that's acting on the front line and is, is and has been putting themselves um, in danger in service of, of the country at the moment, unfortunately, will have been coming into contact with the virus more frequently. So what some parents have done is they have agreed to limit that direct contact that somebody on the front line might have with their children, but have been promoting lots of indirect contact by FaceTime, by Zoom, lots of phone contact, etc. What has been happening with good reason in some circumstances is that one party and it's generally the party with whom the children reside on a normal basis, if they feel like the risk of the child going between the two houses is just too great, some have been exercising their parental responsibility and against the the wishes of the other parent have been stopping contact. Now, the guidance says that if somebody has done that, if a subsequent application is made to the court to deal with the arrangements for the child or the children, then that party needs to have had a really good reason as to why they have done that. So I would say if an officer is having difficulties at the moment with seeing their children for any of the reasons I've just set out above, the first thing is to talk to the other parent themselves. Can you agree something with them? Be realistic about the level of risk as well that's involved. This is a completely unprecedented set of circumstances and we all want to protect those who are nearest and dearest to us. So we've got to be responsible and sensible about what's reasonable in the circumstances. If you can't sort something out, the next stage is to try mediation. As I mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast, it can work a treat in these circumstances. And I've used it many times over the past few weeks to help couples come to a sensible arrangement about what's best for their children. If that doesn't work still, you can still make an application to the court. If your application is urgent, courts are dealing with them. And so they are still dealing with, with urgent applications. And, you know, you will be heard and a decision will be made about what's best for the children in those circumstances. But I'd very much say at the moment that should be a last resort because there are other options available to you to try to reach a sensible arrangement that doesn't involve spending money on costs as well at this point in time. So there are lots of things that you can do to make sure that you are seeing your children at this particular point in time. And as I say, we can, we can help with that as much as is possible. Katie, thank you very much. That was really interesting. And uh, thank you. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D Solicitors, and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. 
For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.